And welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. Re-entry. Have you heard that term before? How do you re-enter the civilian population after doing serious time in prison? Where do you go when you get out? How do you build a support system? And what resources are available to you? On tonight's show, we have a roundtable discussion on re-entry. And we have some great guests with us tonight that are here to share their personal experiences and wisdom and also their knowledge of resources and how to access them. And we'll also be talking about expungement. Yes, a funny word, but a serious topic having your past infractions removed from the official record and how that benefits you on your new path to success. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host, Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch at the Rivertown Resource Center. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. All right, welcome back to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I am Freewell and Franklin. I am a graduate apprentice, and I am your host tonight. And right now, according to the California Department of Corrections, there is a little over 160,000 people in the California prison systems. That's men and women. Each year, as more people are sentenced to prison time, Thousands are also released into the streets, but when they are released, what resources do they have? Are they prepared for the outside world? Prepared to become, quote, a meaningful part of our society? Well, tonight I have some special guests that are not only going to share their experiences being part of a system and trying to regain a life after prison, but also people that assist in that field and help others get their life back on track. And they're the same people. Um, joining us tonight is Yvette Williams, founder of founder and executive director of both Back on Track Expungement Services and Back on Track Community Services. Back on Track Expungement Services is a legal document preparation service for clients seeking the eradication of previous criminal infractions. For over a decade, their program has assisted hundreds of re-entry clients with getting, like the name of the program says, Back on Track. And Back on Track Community Services is where Yvette conducts workshops on human trafficking, expungements, cyberbullying, cyber bullying, and life skills trainings at nonprofits throughout Contra Costa County. Yvette has also been the person that helped me get this show together tonight 
as she did last time with our Black Parents Roundtable discussion. Uh, thanks again, Yvette, and welcome back to Full Circle tonight. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Also with us tonight is Pat Mims, director at the Reentry Success Center at Rubicon, and that's based out in Richmond. Uh, Mr. Mims is a longtime resident of Contra Costa County. He returned to the community after serving over 20 years in prison, and he leverages his lived experience to cast light on the power of responsibility, healing, and vulnerability. Specifically, he is instrumental in developing actionable and seamless opportunities for people and their families who have been impacted by the criminal justice system. Pat's work in the community has earned him numerous accolades and recognition, including in 2016, Pat was acknowledged at a ceremony at the White House by President Barack Obama as an alumni of the Prison University Project. Quite an introduction there, Pat. Uh, welcome to Full Circle in KPFA. Hey, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for showing up tonight. And also with us tonight is uh, Ronnell Ellis. Ronnell is a field operations coordinator with the Reentry Network, and that is managed by HealthRight 360. And Ronnell also did um, some time in prison and worked out to um, take on this work as well. Uh, welcome, Ronnell. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm enjoying this. All right. Yeah, it's good to have you all. We're going to start off the, the show tonight by speaking with Pat and Ronnell about some of their experiences getting into prison and then how you transformed and came out with this idea of really helping the community through your work in re, through reentry. So I would like to just get your ideas going here. Um, Pat and Ronnell, you spent a significant time in prison and came home and made a success of yourselves and helping others at the same time. Let me just start by asking each of you what your life was kind of like in prison. Did you guys get into prison and then just become model prisoners looking to better yourself right away? Or were you still struggling and continuing down a road of maybe some bad choices and maybe sinking deeper into prison life? So let's start with you, Mr. Mims. Did you just continue on the same path or were you ready to change at the beginning? Actually, I wasn't ready to change at the very beginning. Um, it was, uh, I didn't understand the magnitude of what I'd done to my community, uh, to the family uh, of Kevin Anderson. Uh, I didn't understand uh, the magnitude of what I had done to my own family. So when I entered prison, I entered with the mentality of, okay, let's make it happen up in here. Uh, let's turn this community into the community I had just left. And I was taking the same mentality and thought process and behaviors into that environment, meaning I was looking to smuggle drugs, I was looking to defend myself, and I was looking to uh, be a part of a culture that I had no idea of at that time. I was preparing myself basically for war. And uh, where was it that you actually uh, did your time? Uh, I did my time in numerous institutions. I was in Old Folsom, New Folsom, Solano, uh, Delano, uh, San Quentin, 
uh, I was transferred around. Uh, uh, so you traveled the state through the prison system. On that gray goose. All right. All right. We'll come right back to you in a minute. But Ronnell Ellis, um, you had a similar experience maybe when you got in there. What was it like? Were you ready for immediate change or were you also just kind of like ready to make it happen there? No, never that. I was not ready for immediate change. Uh, you know, uh, incarceration in prison and, and, and jail, is, uh, it's, it can be uh, redundant, right? So um, it wasn't my – I've been going to jail pretty much since I was 11 years old. So becoming incarcerated, you adapt to your, your, your surroundings, right? And you get involved with, with who you click up, you – you know, it's amazing how you uh, make adjustments. So prison life and incarceration is totally different from the streets, but um, I was not looking to uh, conform, right, or uh, comply right away. So, uh, no, I was not initially. All right, well, let me stick with you while you're on the mic. What was it that actually, that point that turned your attitude, your um, your focus around to to turn towards a better you to a better life totally being honest it was it was my time so um unlike pat and some of my other comrades and and and, you know brothers in in the struggle um i was doing time or life on installments right so i was doing a life sentence on layaway and that's somebody who's on the revolving door the california revolving door who goes in and out of prison doing short stints but multiple stints and so uh, that last time in, I was going to get what we call stretched out. And uh, I didn't want to do the time. I didn't want to do 20 plus years. I really didn't. So uh, that's what kind of shook me was that, you know what, I really wasn't uh, on purp- purposely trying to get pl- 20 plus years of time to do, but it happened that way. So um, that's what kind of shook me and uh, got my attention and forced me to take a look at my behavior and what was getting me back in, into the prison system. And I, I, at that time, I was thinking, okay, I better make a change, if possible. So if staring not. at that long time really had an effect on you. Exactly. All right, and Mr. Pat Mims, what was it in there that um, got you to finally say, you know what, this is just it, I'm ready to um, just try something new? You know, it's interesting because I, I received a visit. I was in New Folsom. Um, and we had just come off a six-month lockdown, and I received a visit from my dad. And uh, um, he had gone through all of the processes to get up in that uh, institution, uh, all cement and steel gates. And uh, um, as soon as he came into the visiting room and sat down next to me, uh, we briefly hugged, uh, and uh, um, he started crying. The man that I idled all my life uh, um, uh, started crying, broke down, and told me he was sorry. And uh, I don't know what it did to me, but when I left that visit and I got on the yard, I looked around and I said to myself, man, I'm cool with this. This is over. Um, I don't judge anybody for what they choose, what they do, but I want to do something different. Uh, at that point, uh, I went to uh, uh, an elder at the institution, and uh, I told him what was going on with me. And he said, uh, um, well, you need to start over there and get your GED pointed to the building where you could get your GED. And he said, um, whatever you do, 
you do what you want, stay away from me. And uh, I thought that was a bad thing at the time, but I realized that he was telling me, don't join any gangs, uh, do what you need to do to grow. He told me one day you'll go home. And Ronnell, did you start to prepare yourself on the inside that um, when you realized that this long stretch is about to happen? Absolutely. I was actually uh, fighting my case during my transformation, but it was really, uh, it was all laid out for me. My last case, it was so ridiculous and why I was facing so much time, it was almost, I mean, it was almost, <laughs> it was divine, right? I had, I was just forced to take a look at what I was doing to get myself in this predicament. And so my transformation took place while I was fighting my case and I ended up, uh, you know, going to a drug program and taking a long state commitment in prison in exchange for my freedom and the opportunity to arrest uh, my addiction. All right. Thanks for that wisdom. Yeah, uh, I think uh, addiction was heading me down the path to, I had never made it to the prison, thank God, but um, in and out of the county jails, you know where my next um, stop was going to be, and addiction was a big part of it. So thank you for those wise words. So let's move on a little bit to the future. You kind of started your transformation, both of you inside the walls, and it's getting close. You're about to be released now. When you were released from prison, did you have a support system set up? Were you ready and able to get your new life started on the outside? Did you have family involvement? Um, how did you do it on the outside? Let's start with um, Pat Mims again. When I was released, uh, I had my parents. Um, I went to my parents' home. I didn't live with them. Uh, could, I, could I ask you how old you were when you released, just so people have an idea of like starting new? I went in at 25, and I came out at 47. Um, and uh, I hadn't lived with my parents since I was 14. Uh, so 14 to 47, and now I'm living at my parents' home, uh, who don't really know me, uh, only knew of me. And when I left, uh, I left a, a horror <laughs> uh, in regards to the community. Uh, however, they, didn't, they were getting to know the person I had become over all of those years. Um, so it was a trust level. It was a give and take at that point. Um, and I had to earn their trust back. And uh, eventually I did. So they were my support. However, while I was inside, uh, I graduated college. Um, I created numerous self-help programs. I built community within the community I was in. Uh, because I'm strongly believed that I was free before I left prison, okay? And that was powerful to me. And that's what I advocate for individuals to do is it doesn't matter where you are, you can be free. Uh, there are a number of people in the community now who are locked up uh, in so many ways. So uh, um, having that freedom inside and that spirit in me inside uh, helped me to network with other people and I was offered opportunities and I took advantage of them. Every opportunity that had come in front of me, it was about taking advantage of because of the stigma of where I had been and what I had done. Um, so um, that's how I wound up uh, 
moving forward with my life. So you had the support of your family and you built up your own support system before you got out. Absolutely. And Ronnell, what about you? What was your life like coming out of the system? Did you have a support network? Did you have family? How did you manage at, you know, when you first hit the streets? Yeah, when I first hit the streets, I went to a drug program. So uh, I was in a two-year program with uh, Walden House, which is, uh, you know, the original uh, Health Right 360. And so I had, you know, history there. I was a young adult at the time. I was uh, about to go to YA and stuff like that. And so I ended up going to Walden House as a, as a, as a minor, uh, and I got sentenced to Walden House. And I did my time, per se. And so um, I came back as an adult at 25 years old. So I built my support system. I had people who was there when I was there. My folks that I was in that house with as residents were staff now. So those folks saw me coming in. They embraced me and allowed me to come in and try to make a, um, a run at changing my life. And um, I built my support system within that those walls and then also outside the walls of uh, Walden House by, you know, community-based organizations and my, my strong men's group, which is Men in Motion. I've been a member of that group for, uh, for my entire uh, existence in recovery, which has been 29 years. And so I think what you uh, gentlemen are expressing is kind of what we all know, um, as we know, is that you need a support system when you are released after a long period in prison to actually be a success um, when you get outside. And we're going to talk more about um, the access to those resources and that support system coming up in the second half of our show. But before we get on to a music break here, let me ask you guys, um, going through all this and trying to regain a new life on the outside, what were the greatest challenges that you faced and disappointments as you um, tried to maneuver your way back to um, a stable life. We'll go ahead and start with Ronnell Ellis. I would say from my experience is housing and employment, two of the more critical things that will keep you free. You need to be able to sustain yourself financially, and you need a place to stay to do it uh, in order to be, you know, responsible and um, cleanly and, uh, you know, allowing yourself to be able to be available for your workplace and all of that. You need a stable environment, a stable place to stay. So housing, employment, that was always something that was uh, could be barriers to your success uh, after incarceration. And access to that is uh, huge when it comes to stabilizing yourself within the community. And Pat Mims, what was your greatest challenge when you were um, finding yourself uh, facing the outside world? I mean, it sounded like you moved directly in with your parents, but what were some of the challenges that you faced in um, what were some of the disappointments that came about trying to get it back together? Well, moving back in with my parents didn't mean it wasn't challenging. It's challenging uh, coming home uh, after so long being away from family um, and uh, um, them understanding me, me understanding them. That was a challenge in itself. So uh, my first thought process is I had to move I have to get employment. I have to find my own place. I have to get a car. I need clothes. I mean, all of the essentials. Um, living under their roof doesn't mean that they were providing all the essentials for me. So um, that was a challenge in itself. The other challenge, I'll say, um, 
at that particular time was employment is where am I going to find a job? Do I start at McDonald's? What do I do? How do I sell myself? Um, what opportunities are out there? And uh, uh, how to take um, all of the skills that I had learned over the course of the years within the institution and transforming those skills into skills that I could utilize in the community today. And I think understanding that piece within myself um, helped me a great deal uh, in moving forward in life. All right. And as we're going to find out more as we get into the second half of our show that you two have got into work um, that actually allows you to help others get through this this process. And um, just a couple seconds on this, though, how does that make you feel being able to help others through this process, Pat? Uh, it's a, it's a, He's it's, got a big smile on his face. This, is, that. this is something that has me uh, uh, stuttering a little bit and smiling at the same time because those are my brothers and sisters that I left behind. And I believe that they are all worthy, yes. not of a second chance, of a first chance. Okay, um, second chances, no. Uh, they, they are, they're worthy of this. Um, they have dreams just as I had dreams and others had dreams, and they can be fulfilled. And I'm fortunate to be in a position to where I can help guide some of that and the resources that they need for their dreams to come true as well. Yeah, it's got to be a good feeling. And then Ronell Ellis, uh, how's it got you feeling inside knowing that you, you've been blessed to be in this position now to help others such as yourself make this, uh, make this happen for themselves, this better way, this better life? Well, a couple of things come to mind, and one of them is that one addict helping another addict is without parallel. So someone who's been through something that can help someone who's been through a similar situation or even sometimes the same thing uh, is extremely, you know, fulfilling. And then also um, it's, it's a reinforcement. As a word comes to mind, is projection. I'm really only telling folks to do what I need to do. And so you get reinforced through the work that you do, confirming that you're in the right place. And so even though we're giving, we're also receiving. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an ecosystem, you know, it's a, it's a recycling of, you know, just doing good deeds and every good deed we do when we come from incarceration, it promotes the, the, the encouragement to do another good deed. So we just, you know, um, days full of good deeds, man, they, 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 they have a return on our investment. You know, it does. And it always feels good to help other people. All right. Well, you just heard the voice of Ronnell Ellis. Uh, Ronnell is a field operations coordinator with the reentry network managed by Health Right 360. And before that, you heard the voice of Pat Mims. And Pat Mims is the... Director of the Reentry Success Center, operated by Rubicon Programs. Yes, yes, Rubicon. All right, and um, I am Freewell and Franklin, host and producer of the show tonight, Full Circle. We're going to take a short music break, and we'll be right back to find out what these guys are doing now to actually help others and bring in my um, other special guest, Yvette Williams, to talk about what she does, um, helping people clear their records. Stay tuned to KPFA, and we'll be right back. Mother, mother, there's too many of you to cry. 
brother There's far too many of you dying You know we've got to find a way To bring some loving here today Father, Father We don't need to escalate For only love can comprehend You know we've got to find a way To bring some love and get here today Picket lines and picket signs Don't punish me with brutality Talk to me so you can see All right, welcome back everyone to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA. I'm your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, and we've been speaking with our special guests tonight, uh, Ronnell Ellis and Pat Mims. They both made it out of the prison system and also made a successful re-entry to society. But not only that, they also help others do that as well. And... Thanks to those experiences that you had, it really gives you that added leverage to really help others. And I just know that still that's got to feel so good for you guys. So thank you for that work that you're doing. And also joining us here tonight is my special guest. That is Yvette Williams. Yvette, thanks for being patient and waiting while we uh, heard these amazing stories of these two gentlemen. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here as always. All right. Before we get into these guys' um, work that they do, again, tell us what your organization, Back on Track, does and why it's so important that in many cases we get our past convictions um, cleared and expunged because that's what you do. It's extremely important. It can be a barrier to going to school, as Ronell said earlier, employment, housing, even joining a union, getting food stamps in certain states, welfare benefits. So it's extremely, extremely important. A lot of employers um, try to follow the law as it relates to background checks, but I'm not afraid to say that sometimes it is personal because they don't have personal experience with someone that may have uh, made a mistake. And I do want to say, we are not the worst mistake we have ever made in our lives. And my brothers sitting at this table, they know that. And that's who our clients are all day, every day. And we have dedicated our lives to letting them know that that one mistake does not define you. It actually helps you to bring another brother or sister out. Definitely. And we heard um, as both Pat and Ronnell were saying, as you mentioned, that employment and stuff like that is very important. And just having that in your past can make it difficult to um, not only find the employment, but to feel confident actually just going and applying. Right. Because you feel that stigma and that burden of having that on your back. So like um, I don't know, you guys probably didn't got your records expunged. Right. 
Oh, you have? So, yeah, so Ronell got his record expunged. Well, how did that feel to get that uh, burden off your back? First of all, I didn't even have the knowledge that it was possible, right? So as a, a criminal, you don't always even know what's available to you. But once I started getting my life in order, I started to find out that there were options. There were opportunities to, you know, rid myself of my past. Not necessarily totally, but um, what I did find out is all of my uh, county offenses were able to be expunged. My prison convictions, I had to get a pardon from the governor, which I also applied for. But just knowing I can get rid of some of these, uh, you know, that long rap sheet, right, and and not have to disclose it, right? The legal ramifications of not having to disclose my background to an employer was another opportunity for me to, uh, you know, uh, hurdle that that barrier. So um, it's not even a lot of people that's aware of this kind of uh, these kind of opportunities. So. Um, people like, you know, Yvette, it's critical that we have her voice in the community shouting about these kinds of opportunities because there's still a lot of brothers and sisters at the county jail level that this is really helpful for. You know, maybe I didn't get to just wipe all my stuff out uh, because I had prison convictions, but others can really, really help themselves in that way uh, by uh, using some of those services. And um, Yvette, yeah, what, tell us more about this and um you know, how this helps. So I want to um, piggyback off of what Mr. Ellis just said. Unfortunately, um, what Ronell said is very typical of a client. Most of my clients, first of all, they started off in juvenile hall. They turn 18 years old. They turn 25. No one has spoken to them about getting those charges sealed and destroyed. Unfortunately, so what they've been doing from 18, from let's say 16, 18 to 25 is surviving, disclosing a criminal record that they could have gotten sealed or destroyed. So let's take this 25-year-old, and I meet him when he's 30, 40 years old, where he may have only had one charge at 16, 18, 25 to be sealed and destroyed. He has seven pages of a rap sheet just trying to survive. And I have sat with men and women that cried and said, I wish I would have known I could have started at, in, at the juvenile level or when I first went to county 20 years ago. My oldest client, Frank, was 64 years old. He retired from the military. He retired from the refinery here in Pittsburgh. He could not secure senior housing from a fight he'd had at 17 years old. I expunged his son's record. He told his son what was going on, and I walked his, his dad through the process, completed the paperwork, and he is now living on the, the, uh, golf, one of the golf courses here in a senior assisted living facility. When I held that man's hand, and he says, I cannot believe that my only fight I've ever had would come back to haunt me in this manner. So if I can get anything out there, please tell your friends, your families, go to Clean Slate. I don't care who you go to, call me, but get it done and get it done as soon as possible. Do not let this Band-Aid over a bullet wound burst wide open on you. Definitely. And let's go back to uh, Ronell and Pat for a moment. 
you're working to help people back into society, just like you guys were trying to get back into society. What are you finding that's the most important work that that you're doing, Pat? How are you directly serving um, people that are looking to get their lives back together? What are you offering? I think the most important uh, thing that we offer at the Reentry Success Center is building community. Um, we have numerous support groups in which people can um, not only uh, participate in, they be can become active members in and uh, um, build a new community because the community that they left, they no longer want to come back to. Um, so I think that's one of the most important, along with the housing, along with the employment, along with the uh, thinking eras and behavioral changes, is building a new community that they can adjust to, feel welcomed in, and be supported in. And then that gives them the hope that they can move forward with that record that needs to be expunged or with filling out that application with uh, uh, being told no in the beginning. You have to be able to deal with those type of emotions as well. So it's not just about we can have people come home, give them a job, and they'll be okay. We can give them a job, and on Friday they get paid and they may not show up on Monday. Without that emotional intelligence that we work with at the Reentry Success Center, there are still challenges um, that people are faced with from their past because there's that voice on someone's shoulder saying, remember me, you can do this while you're doing that as well. And it just doesn't work. So um, that's the, 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 the major thing that I wanted to do. I also wanted to change the system uh, and how reentry works. Uh, everything is from 9 to 5. People are getting out after 5 o'clock. So I opened the Reentry Success Center until 8.30. So you have a place to come if you get out after 5. And then we can get you to some temporary shelter and get you back to the center to get you support. So people aren't wandering the streets at night. Um, and they have that added support. So those little system changes are huge they're paramount to people that are coming back into the community that are could be locked out of a system they want to get back into because it's after five and just say i oh, forget it i'll go back to the neighborhood and do what i was doing when before i got locked up and uh, to be clear not everybody actually has a support system and a place to go when they get out Absolutely. And it's so important to have that community. That's the support system is that new community that uh, people come into. Of course, uh, um, they may be a little sketchy at first as to whether they can trust us or not. And once they get to know us and know our passion towards this work, find out where some of us have been in life and know that, hey, like, uh, uh, like experiences are, are all around me and they're doing well and they're saying the things that I need to say to myself, uh, people tend to want to change their behaviors and they want to thrive. And dreams are, are, are what people make them. And I don't put my dreams on anybody else. 
whatever somebody dreams that they can be, I help support that and try to move that forward. And um, the a word I'm hearing a lot here, and it's a two-way street, is the trust. And people coming out may have a hard time trusting that someone's actually going to help them. And you said you had to have regain your parents and your community's trust. Talk about that healing and that trust um, coming back and how important that is for some sort of healing to take place and that trust to be rebuilt. You want to tackle that one or Ronell? Yeah, we'll, we'll chime in. Before I could even get to gain the trust of my community, I had to trust myself. I really never really trusted myself, and I was never successful. It's amazing how you have to get over your own internal uh, tug of war, right? The streets, changing your life, uh, doing, you know, making better choices, uh, or just, you know, using poor judgment and going out there and just you know, what we call getting in the wind, you know, just blowing in the wind with whatever uh, comes your way. You know, you leave the house and, and you just try to figure out, you know, I'm going to go and, and make something happen. So that's frivolous thinking. And so you want to have something more constructive and earning the trust of the community. You have to start demonstrating that you deserve the trust. So you have to make choices, better choices on a regular basis. And that's how you gain the trust of your community by when they give you opportunities, you, you do the opposite of what Pat is talking about, you know, getting paid on Friday and not showing up on Monday. That's never going to work at a job function. So you have to learn how to have a mindset and then also action behind that mindset to change your, to change your outcomes. You have to change your behavior. Behavior is really where a lot of it lands. That behavior is really what did me in as far as was detrimental to me and my uh, success was my behavior. So I, I just want to piggyback off that. Earlier I mentioned that I was free before I had left prison, and that was me trusting me. I knew who I was at that time and who I wanted to be. I'm still striving towards that person. I'm uh, uh, just to be a better human being on a daily basis. And that trust in self is so important uh, because when you don't have that trust in self, you need a community to reach out to. And that's why we're here, is to be that community that supports you when you might not trust yourself enough. I run programs in which we have stipends, and it's amazing how some of the members will sometimes say, hold my stipend for me, hold it for me, because I don't trust myself. And I share that that is such a powerful statement to make because you are being so transparent with yourself that you're growing. You're growing and you're moving forward with your life. So I, I, I just I, I want to piggyback off that. You have to trust yourself and trust the community that you're coming into that uh, says that they're going to support you. And we do. What are uh, what are some concrete uh building steps that you might get someone to do to start like getting back in that trust? Like what's a one day at a time thing you might tell somebody to do? You know, it's, it's also, you have to tailor everything to the individual too. It's not a cookie cutter process, but you know, uh, small affirmations also walking folks through things, but that's, that's always fulfilling for me because a lot of people assume that people who have been to prison know right from wrong. And 
what happens, I was a 25-year-old man who had never had a job. I mean, never had a job. So I didn't know how to work. I had no idea how to work. So I needed someone to, to encourage me. I needed uh, to be walked through that process to find out how to really fill out an application properly. You know, some of the more fundamental things that most people, the average person in society may be familiar with doing, others aren't. So we don't want to make any assumptions about anyone, but wherever they are, we want to walk them through that process, and then we want to give them small things to do so they can be successful and build. It's like a snowball. You know, um, everything is progressive. The disease is progressive. You know, uh, criminal behavior is progressive. You might start out, you know, stealing from a grocery store, and then you end up robbing banks. So even your, your changing your habits can be progressive. You start with small things, and you build on those. And healing and um, small steps of success build that that faith and that trust. Absolutely. And Yvette, you're over here. How are you feeling about what you're hearing? You brought these great guests in tonight, and um, you working to help clear this 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 past of people to give them that that new hope for the future, relieved of that that burden of disclosure or feeling like it's weighing them down. What does it do for them once they are free of that? Speaking of trust, um, trust is is huge. How do we give um, a client? The reason why I picked these two brothers is because I know they're not guilty of what I'm about to say, but this can be typical. Give a client who just exited prison or county jail a laundry list of things to do. And that meeting, which should take an hour, a get to know you, build trust meeting is five minutes long. And you and you tell the client to come back with half of this done. You haven't sat there and did anything to gain trust. This person knows nothing about you. They just came from a lockdown facility and now you have them locked in their head and like, what are you talking about? Who are you? My original background is in corporate banking, marketing, sales. I can sell anything. But the first thing we sell to anyone is not a product, it's self. Okay? And the one thing that um, I realized, we will never, not one person at this table will buy anything from anyone we do not like or trust. We will not do that. We will not take a $100 bill from a stranger in a grocery store. Like, wait a minute. I don't know. I don't trust. Is this real? (laughs) So (laughs) we need to build trust immediately and rubbing the $100 bill and everything else. So how do we expect our clients to listen to us, to follow us? Although we know what we're talking about, they don't know that. So I've learned to never step in front of my clients. I move side by side with them. So I took a cue from Ludacris. When they move, I move just like that. And if they have questions along the way or they stop or stammer, they know they can always call me. Hey, Yvette, what am I? I did this. I didn't do this. Hey, Yvette, you know what's going on? We, we have that trust forever. It's not just in that moment. And um, I did want to touch on something. We have brothers and sisters who will not qualify 
to have their records expunged. And I just really quickly want to say something to them. Those um, programs inside of the prison, when you complete those programs, get character letters, get letters, get certificates. When you get on the outside, you can use those letters and those certificates for an employer and to obtain housing. It works. But if you come out empty-handed, my brothers and my sisters, that hill is hard to climb. Right, Ronnell? I agree. Right, Pat? Oh, I totally agree. And Ronnell, you have personal experience because you, um, as you alluded to earlier, were someone that was constantly coming and going in and out of the jails and the prison system. So how important is that, what Yvette was just saying? Well, it's critical. You know, you have to have folks in the community who are established to be able to advocate and vouch for you and I, like I spoke on early, earlier, is that you have to demonstrate. You really have to demonstrate. Because, I, I, you know, I was a lot of talk before, right? So uh, changing my life and doing things differently, you know, just as well I'm, as I may not trust others, others don't trust me. So I, I established that by doing what I say I'm going to do and uh, continue to do that on a regular basis will allow folks to start trusting you. So it's critical. And um, I don't know what Yvette is talking about is something that really needs to be shouted about because it's just not enough people even aware that these types of uh, opportunities are available. And also what I'm getting at hearing all three of you talk is that what's really also important is that not only are you tossing some directions at somebody to go out and get this done, um, but as you said, Pat, that you the importance of walking them through this step by step and saying, okay, well, you want me to get X, Y, and Z done, but I may not know how to do it. So you will say, this is how you go about this. This is um, what you do. So give us kind of an example maybe of like what you might want to send someone out to do, um, but they might not know how to do it. They might not know what to do first. Well, at the Reentry Success Center, we have uh, reentry coaches that uh, basically coach individuals step by step. Uh, say they need an identification uh, when they get home. Uh, we have an identification voucher. We give that to them and then we explain to them where they can go uh, along with the transportation support to get there and back. Uh, so, and we explain the process of what will happen when they get to DMV and how to fill that form out. Surprisingly enough, a number of people don't even know how to do that. They don't know where the Social Security office is to get a new Social Security card or to get their first Social Security card. So uh, as coaches, they support them step by step through any process, whether it be an online application, whether it be logging into a Zoom uh, uh, support group, uh, coaches support and step by step, because one thing that I always say that's very important is you can never forget where you come from. And if you knew at one point that you didn't know how to do it, then there's somebody that's right next to you that doesn't know how to do it as well. Help them. And getting through that, um, those steps can be the key to their success in many cases. 
that was the voice of uh, Pat Mims, uh, director at the Reentry Success Center at Rubicon, and he's based out in Richmond. Also joining us tonight is Ronnell Ellis. Ronnell is a field operations coordinator with the Reentry Network that's managed by HealthRight360. And of course, we got Yvette Williams, founder and executive director of both Back on Track Expungement Services and Back on Track Community Services. And we've been talking about reentry tonight and getting people back into a meaningful, healthy, trustworthy, and, and healed and healing life after um, returning from prison. And uh, you've got some great uh, advice tonight. Run, um, Pat, you wanted to say something? Yeah. I just wanted to say one more thing. For those of you that are listening and you're coming back to Contra Costa County, you can start your reentry process right now by writing the Reentry Success Center. And a coach will write you back and you can work on what that reentry process can look like for you. So please uh, look us up, 912 McDonald, Richmond, and uh, get in contact, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'll respond uh, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, I understand the mail is pretty slow. I experienced it. However, it will get to you, and uh, we will support you not only now, but when you get home as well. Let's start making that plan in returning into the community. And that's the voice of Pat Mims. Pat, let's just keep you on the mic for a minute because you started to address my last question, and that is um, what would you like to say to people that are either still behind the walls right now and are, are hearing this or like maybe they are recently released from a long-term prison, uh, prison sentence? What would you like them to know most importantly? And, um, again, where could they reach out to make contact? The thing that I would like everybody to know is today is the first day of the rest of your life. Yeah. And you can make a decision as how you want to live it. You can choose what you've known for years and years and go through that cycle again. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to get off that cycle and I'm going to try something different. And uh, um, to contact us would be uh, writing the Reentry Success Center in Richmond, 912 McDonald Avenue, and uh, uh, contacting Rubicon Programs, 101 Broadway as well. We have services for you. They're available. Please do not think you're on an island and there's no one to help you. We're here to help you. Definitely, and that's why we're getting you on the air tonight. Well, I'll throw that over to Ronnell Ellis. Ronnell, what would you say to people that may be behind bars listening um, recently released, you know, struggling to um, to get a grip, you know, what's your advice and, and where can people reach out to you and your organization? Yeah, likewise, we um, we want to hear from you while you're incarcerated, whether you're in a county jail or state prison or federal prison, wherever you are, uh, write to us, 5119 Lone Tree Way, Antioch, California. We are located in East County uh, and we're um, a similar organization to uh, the Success Center, uh, but we, we roam the field and we come to where the participants are um, and we'll go in the community and, and find them and locate them and also uh, just meet them where they are, where they want us to meet them. What's important is to know that there are resources out here. You know, please contact us. Like Pat said, we, we will respond to you and we will embrace you and we will work with you. Um, when you get home, 
Uh, we're right here. We have resources to uh, walk you through. If you want to go to college, if you want to start a business, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to get into a union, any of those things, we walk with you into those entities. We go to school. We talk to your counselor. We walk you through that whole process, what it's like to be on campus, and, you know, just encourage you all the way through. Just know that if you're thinking about changing your life, there are avenues and pathways available to you in Contra Costa County. And this county, through a lot of the work, like what Pat is doing, me and work, you know, Pat work together with our organizations. Um, and so we're always encouraging each other in this work to be available to those who do get out. Because when I look over and I see Pat, and we had some kind of meeting or we're working together. I'm, you know, visiting him at his organization and trying to encourage folks to come in because I give referrals to his organizations uh, as well to Rubicon. So we're teammates, right? We're, we're, we're all on the same team in, in this fight to um, build a better community because if folks come from incarceration and get better, then our entire community is better. And a lot of people don't understand that, you know. So we have returning residents. I don't want to call them citizens because not everybody is a citizen that's returning uh, from incarceration, but they're still our family. So, And if they come into this county, we want to be concerned about them and we want to serve them. That's important to us. We want to make sure that those folks who do come home from incarceration have an outlet. Yeah, and having a healthy community means that everybody needs to be healthy and happy and living um, a fulfilling life. And um, all those nights and all those ideas people have when they're incarcerated and dreaming up these big ideas, they, um, they can be brought to fruition um, through these steps that these men have taken. And um, they can help guide you uh, through that process. So be sure to reach out. We will also have a link to all these addresses and their websites on our website. That's kpfaapprentice.org. And I'll post that information just after the show tonight. And Yvette, first, let me thank you for um, bringing this roundtable discussion back to Full Circle and to KPFA. And tell us, before you go, how people can get a hold of you and um, what's your final thoughts for people out there that may still be carrying um, these past convictions? You know, what's your advice to them? And then remind us your organization and how people can get in contact. I think my best advice is... Um if you've listened to either the person that is currently incarcerated or a family member, you've gotten the best advice that money can buy. Um, I've referred clients to both organizations and I would not bring anyone to the table I wouldn't eat with. So, and my clients have always came back and said, wow, thank you. The family members call me, wow, thank you. And I just want to say something to the family members. Please be patient um, with your loved ones. The person that left is not the person that returns, so we will need you to be patient. And I'm sure you can reach out to the Reentry Success Center for support, also HealthRight360 family members for support. They will also take your calls and start the process for your loved ones and answer any questions you may have about their process. And last but not least, it's a process to get into trouble. It's a process to get out of it. We both work hard at all of them. Just follow the process. 
I can be reached at uh, Yvette, Y-V-E-T-T-E, for hope at gmail.com. Thank you. Yes, and I will also post that link on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. And that was the voice of Yvette Williams, founder and executive director of Back on Track Expungement Services and Back on Track Community Service. Um, Thanks again, Yvette, for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Thank you for having me. And also um, who you heard earlier, Mr. Pat Mims, director at the Reentry Success Center at Rubicon, um, based out in the Richmond area. Thanks for joining us tonight, Pat, on Full Circle and KPFA. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. All right. And last but not least, we had Ronnell Ellis stepping in today. Ronnell's a field uh, field operations coordinator. I want to call you a field director. I don't know why, but Ronnell is a field operations coordinator with the reentry network managed by Health Right 360. Ronnell, thanks uh, for stepping up tonight and sharing these um, powerful words and information. Yeah, I will say it's been a powerful opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, and I appreciate you all for being here tonight. And that does bring us to the end of tonight's show. Again, one shout out to my special guest tonight, Yvette Williams, Ronnell Ellis, and uh, Pat Mims. Thanks for joining us again tonight. And just another reminder, check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for all the important links and information mentioned in the show tonight. And a final shout out to the Full Circle crew. Our executive producer is Miss M. Joy Moore is our production consultant. And me, Freewell and Franklin, I am the technical director for the show Full Circle. And I have also been your host tonight. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Pajita. Good night, everyone. Good night.